Big Buck Ridge Trees Deer Hunting Podcast, episode number 160, Doug Castreva, part two. Advanced food plot techniques, weeds, soil, fertilizer, and tonnage. Please support our sponsors as they make this show possible. Today's show is sponsored by Morse's Sporting Goods. Big Buck Registry is a virtual museum of hunting stories. We preserve a piece of Americana by interviewing and recording hunters about their hunts and experiences from across the country. And who knows, maybe we'll learn a thing or two along the way that'll help us take our hunt to the next level. Hey, this is Dr. Ken Nordberg. You're listening to my favorite podcast on the internet, Big Buck Registry Deer Hunting Podcast. Hi, this is Shane Mahoney from Conservation Visions Incorporated, and I'm listening now to one of my favorite hunting podcasts, Big Buck Registry Deer Hunting Podcast. Hey guys, this is Kelvin Wilcox here at Vapor Products, a favorite deer hunting podcast with Jay and Dusty, Big Buck Registry Deer Hunting Podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Big Buck Registry's Deer Hunting Podcast. You know what? You just pushed that play button right there, and I can't say thank you enough. I every single week we do this, it, it just it's humbling, and I still can't believe people still want to listen to us. But gosh darn it, we're going to keep doing it. We're going to try to bring you great content each and every week. And by we, I mean me and Dusty Phillips. What's happening, Dusty? I can believe they still push the button, Jay. I tell you what, we we we're dedicated, and, and we try to bring great content to the hunters, you know, and and, and the friends and the followers and everybody that tunes in with us every week. I I can see why they're still with us, you know. We we try to bring great content, and and so far, so good, Jay. We've been pretty successful. Mm -hmm. Then we've had some great hunters uh, from the pro level to the entry level, from the anti to the hunter, and man, I tell you what, uh, we we hit a milestone this week and uh, couldn't be more happier, Jay. (laughs) It was quite a milestone, and yes, we've had some amazing guests on this show, and I can... I mean, I don't know. I guess I, I never really think that anybody wants to listen to me talk, but you know what? I guess they do because we just hit 500,000 downloads. Half a million people have downloaded the show. And we, we, you know, from from our hearts to you guys, the, the people that's hitting the download buttons and the play button and tuning in with us every week, it's, from our heart, we, we really do appreciate it. We love each, each and every one of you, and thanks for tuning in with us. Yeah, I, I got to be honest. I just can't thank you enough. I, I'm just kind of stunned and blown away, and I'm glad that people appreciate the content we're, that we're bringing to the show. Uh, we're going to continue to do this, and you know, we have our notepads out, and we have a list of people that we want on the show. But if there's ever anybody you want us to go talk to for whatever reason, just shoot us an email, Jay or Dusty at BigBuckRegistry.com. Let us know what you're thinking out there. Yeah, we'd love to. We'd love to hear from a guest that one of our listeners uh, turned us on to. We're definitely not. We're definitely down for that. No doubt about it. Yeah, and it's something that uh, you know we we take it uh, with honor and pride that uh, people send guests to us, and they they know that uh, you know we're going to try to treat them fairly and and you know do record the best program that we can right and we're not limited to just celebrity hunters i mean i'm sure if you look at the catalog you'll realize that we're not just looking for the celebrity hunter we're looking for the hunter we're looking for the hunter that is a skilled 
hunter that it really brings to the table that with that really hardcore mentality of deer hunting. And we know you're out there and certainly, certainly make suggestions of maybe they're a friend of yours. Maybe it's somebody you're just admire. I don't know. Whatever it is, Jay or Dusty at BigBuckRegistry.com. And, and while we're on the topic, you can always find us on iTunes. We are now going to be featured in iHeartRadio. So tune into that soon. We're just waiting for our feed confirmation to come back. It's not quite there yet. We're right around that two-week mark, two-and-a-half-week mark. I hear it's taking about three weeks because it got inundated with new podcasts that are going over there. But that should be there very soon. So I don't know if you're an iHeartRadio user or if you've ever heard of them. I know I've heard of them, and and my wife uses uses iHeart to listen to local radio station shows. So I, I know that it's a very popular thing. So my guess is if you are on any kind of device, you'll be able to listen to this show through iHeartRadio very, very, very soon. Yeah, that's going to be really cool. And, you know, again, from our heart to you guys, thank you very much for tuning in with us on every show. And, uh Man, what a blessing and a true honor it is to have followers like everybody that uh, hits the downloads and the play button. Truly is a blessing and an honor to have your ear for an hour. It's absolutely mind-blowing. So, Dusty, we have a repeat guest this week. And it's okay. at, yes, it's actually good timing because in the show, we talked to Doug Costrava from the Horny Buck Seed Company. We've right. had him on the show. He really filled us in a lot about food plots and how to do it in the last show, but we go even deeper in our most recent conversation, but it's good timing because as Doug says, is planting something now for it to be ready to be eaten towards the, you know, when that, that peak deer season is just kicking in like late, late October, this is when you should start planting those food plots. So this is actually good timing to talk food plots once again. Man, you know, Doug brings a lot of information to the table, Jay, and I just can't wait to Talk with him. Yes. Yeah. Very, very good guy. Now, before we get there, we have somebody filling in for Jim Keller on the Deer News. Brandon Hammonds from the Take Aim Outdoor Podcast is filling in for Jim. Jim's on assignment in Alaska. So I'm sure he's he's digging up some juicy stories out of Alaska for us very, very soon to come back to the show and tell us about his trip. And I think he's found Several guests already. He's texted me a few times already about people he's actually located that he thinks will be ideal guests for the Big Buck Registry Deer Hunting Podcast, powered by USA Trail Camps. So let's turn to Brandon Hammonds with the Deer News. For the Big Buck Registry and filling in for Jim Keller this week, this is Brandon Hammonds from Take Aim Outdoor Podcast with the Deer News. Our first story takes us to Delaware, Sunday hunting allowed. In an article that was first posted by sportsmanslink.org, Delaware House Bill 289 was signed into law by Governor Jack Markle on July 19th, officially and legally make allowing deer hunting to occur on five specific Sundays on private land in Delaware. Sunday hunting will be allowed on these certain Sundays at private landowners' discretion and on public lands where designated by state government agencies. Representative William J. Carson says the effort was a great example of working together to forge a compromise that respects the right of all Delawareans to enjoy our state's natural resources. We're protecting the sportsman's tradition and opening up more opportunities for new generations of hunters to develop the same appreciation of the outdoors that we learned from our elders. Deer hunting on Sunday in Delaware should have multiple positive impacts on the state, including increased economic activity, landowner liberties, improved hunter recruitment, which will in turn help to fund Delaware's Division of Fish and Wildlife and ultimately enhance all conservation efforts in Delaware. 
Our next story brings us to Minnesota. Deer numbers are on the rise in Minnesota. In a story that first appeared on valleynews.com, the Minnesota DNR says that growing deer populations will produce slightly more harvest opportunities for deer hunters in 2016. Hunters can look forward to seeing growth of local deer populations following two years of mild winters, lower overall harvest, said Adam Murkowski, big game leader with the Minnesota Department of Natural Resources. Northern and northeastern areas in the 2016 hunting regulations will remain somewhat the same as last year. However, in west central and southeast Minnesota, as well as as the surrounding Twin Cities metro area permit levels remain high to regulate and manage local deer populations. Hunters can buy deer license and apply for antlerless permits starting August 1st, 2016. And the deadline to apply for antlerless permit lottery is September 8th. Archery season begins September 17th and firearm opener November the 5th. In our final story of the week, we're headed to Michigan. Hunting Access Program seeks landowners in northern Lower Peninsula. The story first appeared on Amoland.com in a story written by Duncan Johnson. In an effort to provide private land hunting opportunities for hunters in the lower and eastern upper peninsula parts of Michigan. The Michigan DNR is actively seeking landowners to participate in the DNR's Hunter Access Program. You can help promote wildlife population management, support the local economy, and reduce wildlife conflicts, and improve your land and get paid to do it. Providing access to hunting lands that are close to home is critical for supporting Michigan's strong hunting heritage. Our commitment to providing access has more than tripled the number of farms enrolled in half the past three years. We now have over 170 farms and 20,000 acres available for public hunting, said DNR Hunting Access Program Coordinator Monique Ferris. The DNR received a grant of $951,400 from the U.S. Department of Agriculture Voluntary Public Access and Habitat Initiative program last year to expand the hunting access program to increase private land hunting opportunities. Landowners with at least 40 acres are eligible to enroll. Michigan's hunting access program was created in 1977 to increase public hunting opportunities in southern Michigan where 97% of the land base is privately owned. Enrolled landowners receive an annual payment of up to $25 an acre. HAP is one of the oldest and private land hunting public access programs in the nation. Landowners participating in HAP can choose which types of hunting are allowed on their land in order to control the number of hunters on HAP lands at any one time. Hunters are required to register to hunt each time they visit the property. Hunters use self-registration boxes that are installed by the DNR. HAP offers landowners liability protection and the lands are patrolled by conservation officers. The DNR plans to expand the program over the next three years. To learn more, visit michiganmi.gov HAP. Once again, that's mi.gov. .gov slash H-A-P. That concludes this week's Dear News. If you have any comments or suggestions for further news stories, please email us at news at bigbuckregistry.com. For the Big Buck Registry, this is Brandon Hammonds from the Take Aim Outdoor podcast with the Dear News. Thanks to Brandon Hammonds for the Dear News. Without further ado, here's Doug Kostrava from the Horny Buck Seed Company. Doug Costrava, welcome back to the Big Buck Registry's Deer Hunting Podcast. What's happening, my friend? Oh, just living the dream, guys. About it. It's, it's been great. Been a great ride so far. Where are you at in the world right now? 
um, as a business growing like crazy, uh, which leads to pulling your hair out. Which, so I cut it short so I can't get at it, which is working out pretty good. Um, but it's uh, it's been great. Um, you know, I guess there's anything that's a little bit more humbling to me than anything is all the people that are coming to me for advice. So my phone is constantly ringing, which is good and bad but uh you know good for me uh you know uh, it irritates the wife a little bit but um you know um when we got into this the main one of the main reasons why i started doing this was customer service and so many companies do not give customer service anymore they pawn it off from one person to the next and uh, nobody can answer the questions and if they do they give you a very vague answer and i'm the kind of guy that's trying to troubleshoot to have you do it right because i'm a consumer just like you guys are consumers or the, the listeners are consumers and you know i don't want anybody spending any extra money on something that they're not going to utilize or use so it's been working out very very well though because uh, i cannot believe the feedback that i'm getting and uh the tv celebrities that are getting a hold of me and hey can you help me can you help me? it's just been growing so it's been great gotcha that's awesome so where are you physically right now we are in Pound, Wisconsin, which is technically 50 miles straight north of Green Bay. Gotcha. All right. And you, and just so everybody who's listening to this show, and of course it's in the headline, but just in case, you are the owner of the Horny Buck Seed Company. And you've, yes. been, you've been on our show before. This is round two. So this is a, this is a you know, in a, a, a first for us. We, I don't think we've talked food plots twice on the show. But you were so good the last time, and we've gotten so many questions from listeners that we thought we needed to bring you back. I mean, you're you're an expert in this field, and yeah, I know you're you uh, you're a little humble when it comes down to it. But at the end of the day, you know your stuff, and you're helping people all across the country grow some amazing food plots, which in turn grows some amazing antlers. Absolutely, protein grows antlers. Period. Gotcha. All right. So what what goes through your mind? In early spring. My main thing is, rule of thumb, what I'll start with is, if, if it's a virgin soil and it's not been used in, you know, 10 years or whatever, uh, the first thing I'll do is before it greens up is I'll take and I'll rototill the parameter and I'll burn it, you know, light it up and burn it. Um, anytime you can burn anything, it's kind of really helping you out a lot in a lot of ways. Killing weed seeds, especially if it's not a windy day, you're burning it slow, you're killing more weed seeds, putting potash and phosphorus back into the soil with the burn works out really great. Now, a lot of people are like, well, man, I live in, I, there ain't no way I'm going to light a match. I, I respect that. I understand that. Um, you know, it only works out maybe in about 30% of the cases. But if you if you don't have that issue, first thing I'll do is I will take rule of thumb and I will disc the bejesus out of it. Um, and then I will, up. usually it takes about three weeks after a rain to get good and green. And then I will go back and I will spray it with glycosidate. Try to get something at least over thirty percent glycosidate, and I will spray it again. And then I will do a soil sample and I'll plug it. Um, a lot of guys are like, "Well, you know, my soil is so bad I can't grow anything there." Hogwash. Um, man, I can grow stuff on sand if you do it right. Now, mind you, you do need moisture and you do need the weather. I get it, but uh, if you got soil that's really, really, really bad soil. Uh, when I say really bad soil, I mean really sandy, which means it's really porous, which means it heats fast and it don't hold moisture. Then I do more of a late season plant so I can all time of the year to allow them plants to get established. So springtime, getting back to the main portion I'm telling you about, rule of thumb, after I get done doing my soil testing, we'll get my results back. And, and you can go on even on our hornybookseed.com and we work with a company called AgSource. 
They've been absolutely phenomenal. Um, they'll mail you out a kit. It's $18 when you mail it, and they'll tell you exactly what your, you know, your plot needs. Now, a lot of guys get this thing, well, it needs, you know, 4-ton, 8-ton, 12-ton of lime. <clears throat> you know, here's a little thing with lime. You know, lime is great because uh, you're going to need it, but um, regular regular egg lime will take you somewhere between 8 to 12 months for that to break down. It'll be twice as fast. Um, but it's also twice as expensive. So, you know, if you're going to start a, a new plot from virgin soil, you might as well, I call it the three-year plan. Sometimes it takes three years to get a good planting established, you know, in that, that it's going to totally be rotating because all the microorganisms in that, in that soil are basically dead. In other words, they, that bacteria needs to bring them back to life. So when it needs a lime, the lime is going to actually recondition the soil so that it's going to bring your microorganisms back to life. So it's going to feed the plants that are uh, going to be able to get all the nutritional value out of the, out of the dirt to feed that plant. But after I do, you know, two, sometimes it's three weed killings, um, which, you know, I'll do that periodically through the summer. So I'm planting end of July, middle of August, and I usually plant with an annual and a perennial together. Most of my blends are formulated for deer health more than anything. So, you know, if you got alfalfa, clover, and chicory, and you got, you know, radishes, turnips, and sugar beets, you know, one, you know, the alfalfa and, and clover will give off nitrogen, and that's going to feed your brassica. So you're also helping yourself all the way around. And then in the springtime now, as it greens up again, now these deer are going to be on crude protein as soon as the alfalfa and clover come back in the springtime. As soon as it starts to starts to grow, you know, starts to green up. And deer need that probably more so than anything. So a lot of guys are like, well, you know, I'll plant beans in June. Beans are great. High source of protein, phenomenal. But what are they eating till June? What do they have? You know, what are, you know, grass? Grass only has about 6 to 8% protein. You know, are they going to do, you know, are they going to, you know, is that going to really help them a lot on gas, uh, on grass? No, not at all. So, you know, it's it, back to the quality of plant that they're eating is going to be your main focus that I focus with. You know, I'm not just, you don't take much to attract the deer. You know, if a deer is hungry, man, a living, they're going to eat any grass there is. But if you, if, if in the same token, they need that for their palate, but you know, that's why they hit the acorns, they hit corn, they hit beans. They know what their, what their body needs. So there's a lot to it. It's, it's not just a, well, I'm going to throw this down and throw this down. So my main thing is when I put my blends together, my blends are formulated basically for one thing. I am building you a restaurant. Now, your restaurant is going to be based on what do your deer want to eat that night. So it's no different than us. You know, if we want to go to an Italian restaurant, we find an Italian one. If we want to, you know, go for a steak joint, we find a steak joint. If you want to have Chinese, we go to a Chinese place. Okay, I understand that. But my goal is to have the deer come back to your restaurant every night, which some nights they might want to eat brassica some nights they might want to eat just alfalfa some nights they want to eat a smorgasbord but guess what they're still coming back to your app so that's what our that's why our blends are formulated the way they are if that makes sense okay tell me about some of the main components that are in your blends and i want to break down each one so let's let's start with uh i mean you have a bunch of different blends but let's like what are the what are the key ingredients in the main blend let's say i've got a food plot that I want to put in the place has never had a food plot. What's the first thing you're thinking? And then we'll get into some of the, some of the breakdown of the, the okay. Um, you know, if, if it's the first time, you know, 
plot that you're going to be putting in, you know, you're going to go through kind of like what I just said about, you're going to have to do a weed kill yep. and you're going to have to do the soil test. Um, and then it's going to come down to, you know, where's your fertilization? Um, you know, your fertilizer. Now here's another thing too, with fertilizer. Um, if you're going to put your fertilizer down, which everybody's going to, um, rule of thumb, if you have, you know, fertilizer, if you can smell it, you're losing it. So if you're going to put your fertilizer down, you better work that in or hope you get a rain right away. Um, my main blends that I plant in spring are my main three blends that I'll plant in spring. I'm not a big spring planter. The only reasoning is, is because sometimes these will get a little bit too big. Um, is, um, you know, the, the Loco Buck is our only all perennial blend. But our Big Racks and our Booyah, them two basically are grocery getters. I mean, them things are just grocery, grocery, groceries. They produce a ton of groceries. You can plant them early, but they have so much variety in eating both of them. Um, the one thing about the Booyah blend is with the kale and the radishes and, and, and the sugar beets, it does not need to freeze as much for it to be palatable for the deer. Um, I've had some guys like, you know, you get here in Wisconsin, if you don't have a high density of deer, rule of thumb, they won't eat brassicas till it freezes. Um, but I've had places in Kentucky and Tennessee and, and, um, Ohio, uh, where there's good numbers of deer. Them guys are like, man, living, they just mow that off. And they, I can't believe how much they're eating at me. And I'm like, well, and they, oh man, our deer look great. I mean, they never looked this good. And I'm like, well, that's what this is all about. You know, so, um, but, you know, every, every blend is formulated a little bit different, um, you know, but as far as the perennials go in the spring, you can plant those, but I still plant those even in the fall because they're going to be back for spring. Now, our, our annuals that we have, as far as the dead zone, which is basically just pure tonnage, um, then plants get very big, um, you know, usually sometimes if you get good, if you got good soil, you can get them over your waist if you plant them early enough. But as far as the blends go, those are the ones that I'll, I will put at, you know, first off, right off the bat. But it still is going to start with, where's your pH? Is it 6.5 is ultimate? That's what I like to shoot for. You know, is it 5.5? Five, five? Is it, I mean, I've already had 4.3, you know, on some of the plots. And you're like, oh my God, I need to put a, I need to put like 10 ton of lime down. And a lot of guys are like, oh my God, that's expensive. And you know what? You don't have to do it all at once. You don't have to do it all at once. It's all about, it'll say, for optimum results. Well, you know, if you can't afford it, do half. But as you get your third year of keep adding lime and building it up, guess what? You're growing some good groceries. All right, let's 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 break this down a little bit more. First, let's, let's define tonnage. I've heard this term a million times. And for those of the listeners that are tuning in that have no idea what this means, what is tonnage? Okay, uh, tonnage is... Um, and I, I know the last show I said this, I beef farm. I still, I still raise beef cattle. In fact, um, you know, they're going to be calving here soon. I'm on a third generation farmer. I, you know, I, I love doing what I do, but what I do is everything for me with my cattle is based off of how much tonnage am I producing per acre. So what I did was like the dead zone, for instance, um, I took the dead zone. I planted it in, in a plot back here, back of my farm, one acre plot. I, I, you know, I, I did a 70 yard by 70 yard, one acre plot. I took my flail chopper and I flail chopped it into a bunk feeder in a bunk wagon, took it down to the local gravel pit here and put it right on a scale to see how much weight I got per acre off of that, that, that plot. Um, and I ended up with 6.7 ton of green matter. So that is what is tonnage. It gave me 6.7 ton pounds of tonnage. 
of tonnage per acre off of that plot. Now, that was not including, you know, the radishes and stuff that were into the ground that, you know, because I only flail chop, you know, three, four inches up, and that's what it picked up. So that is where your tonnage is. Um, you know, like alfalfa produces tonnage, you know. That's another thing, too, about food plotting is, is peak protein is in pre-bud stage. So right when your plant is starting to get to the bud stage, your alfalfa, whether it be alfalfa, clover, chicory, whichever one of them plants is going to get to that pre-bud stage. So right before it starts to produce a flower, it's going to be at its highest protein rate. And it's going to be at its peak, peak tonnage as soon as it starts to bud, which means it's going to be, it's going to be the highest producer. That's why your, you know, your, your cattle farmers or your dairy farmers, you know, as soon as they see about two, three flowers in the field, they're cutting of alfalfa because they know that the protein level is absolutely peak. Now you can let it grow up and get bigger, but once that flower, once that plant flowers out, you know, then it starts going downhill because all your nutritional value went to that flower. Then it, then it turns stemmy and woody and the deer don't, you know, deer cattle won't eat it. So, um, that's where the, that's where the term tonnage comes from. How much, how many ton are you getting per acre? Okay. And that makes sense. Is tonnage important? It is if you got a lot of deer, you know, the average deer will eat three to seven pounds a day, you know, during the summer. Winter months, it could eat anywhere from five to 15 per day. So do the math on the amount of deer you have. I know I got a lot of guys that are like, you know, I, I got a, I got a half acre plot, you know, that, that should last them the winter. And I'm like, yeah, if you got six, seven deer, you know, well, I, I think I got more than that. Well, then guess what? It's going to be gone before Christmas. And they're like, oh, they'll never eat all of that. I said, but if there's that many deer, because here's the one thing about deer. Deer follow deer. So if you start out and you have, let's say you have a plot. And you, that's one thing that I find ironic about plots. If you put in a plot and a deer find that plot, let's say you have six on that plot. Within a month, rule of thumb, you might double your, your numbers, especially if there's no, comp no competition around. Because deer will find a path of least resistance to feed themselves, no matter how it is. You know, but I always tell everybody, you know, if you have food, water, and a bedding area, and you leave that alone, you can keep deer on 20 acres easy. Okay. We are, we are the worst nightmares when it comes to that, you know, because we're always, we're always in the woods bumping deer out of their house. Right, right. Okay. So tonnage can be important, certainly if you have a lot of deer. And if you've got a situation where it's a new food plot, you're, the first thing you're saying is weed kill. Is that correct? Right, right. And it, here's another thing, too, that I will do a lot, um, especially up here in Wisconsin, just because the ground is so poor. Um, if I got a spot that's really bad and I got to do a weed kill, and if I do two weed kills, let's say on it. So let's say I do my first weed kill here in, in May, okay? And I will go and till it. I will, I will test the soil, and I will leave it, you know, until, you know, the end of May, first part of June, middle of June. And then um, usually like about the first week of June. And then I'll go back and I will kill it again and I will broadcast oats. oats. Usually I put about 100 pounds to the acre of oats. Okay. Just regular, regular oats. And don't, you go to your feed mill, don't buy seed oats, just regular. And I will put 100 pounds of oats down and right. I will dish that in. And why, why oats? Okay, well, um, here's the deal. As that oats grows and it gets to about six to eight inches, I will turn around and I will put that right back in the ground. I will just get rid till it right back in. Because anything anything put back into the soil, you are feeding your future 
plants that you're going to be planting. Any green matter you put in is building humus. It is helping with moisture. It is creating bacteria. And it is, pre and it is also you're doing a, a weed choking at the same time. So you're, it's a win-win-win to put something down that you can put back in. You know, like when I do my weed killing, um, you know, I, I know a lot of guys say that this can't be done, but I've been doing it for 20 years like this, and I never had an issue it's since glyphosate came out. So maybe it hasn't quite even been that long. But I remember when glyphosate first came out, it was so stinking expensive that a court was like, oh, my God, you know, like you're going to, but it killed everything. And I remember, and I, I could be wrong, but I think I remember paying like hundred and some dollars a gallon. It was astronomical amount of money. But I remember when I first started out doing it, I, I, you know, I would spray and then I was like, everything would, I would wait for everything to brown up. Like, you know, like it said, and then I started reading into it a little bit more and, and it, it basically doesn't have effect unless you overspray. So I started buying, you know, now I buy my glyphosate in 35 gallon barrels. I buy 40%. I put no more than a quart to the acre, but I also use liquid fertilizer. We have some liquid fertilizer called Acidase Plus. Now, um, our fertilizer is all microorganisms. So what I do is as that spray hits that plant and it's in, and, and, and which is going to be fertilizer along with the weed killer, the plant comes to life because he's like, Ooh, it's food. So they suck in the fertilizer through the leaf, but they're also sucking in the poison at the same time. Hmm. So what it's doing is it kills the plant. That plant is dead in three hours. Now it takes anywhere from seven to 15 days for it to turn brown and dry down. But what I do is I spray, you know, usually mid-morning one day. I've already been where I, I till it the same day. Um, but most of the time I till it the next day. And I'll go back and I'll till that greens all back. I never had a weed issue yet with anything coming back. If it's green and it's, it's sprayed with that, it is dead. So okay. it works out very, very good that way. Okay. Now this, this, this weed killer isn't going to affect the growth of the next plant going in. No. No, now if you put, you know, three quarts to the acre, you might have word of small plants as you do into the dirt, then you might have that issue. But the thing of the key is, is not to overspray, you know? Um, so, yeah, I never, ever had an, I've never had an issue with residuals ever. Um, you know, I've heard of some, I, you know, well, here's a prime example. I had a customer call me last year. Um, he wanted a plant um, and he said he did a spring. And I said, oh, what did you spray with? He said, oh, I spray with, you know, some kind of a, I don't remember what, it, I forgot what, it was a, a brand name. Um, I don't know if it Weed Be Gone or a Weed, I don't know, something, it was something different. Roundup um, and I said, Yeah, it was something like, well, it wasn't Roundup. And the only reason I know that is because um, I asked him, I said, you got a jug in front of you. And he told me, I said, yeah, spin it around. What it says, it says, you know, how much glycosidafate's in there? He said, 40%. I said, oh, that's good, you know. And I said, oh, how big was your plot? And he said, it was three acres. And I said, oh, a good-sized plot. And I said, well, how much did you go through? Well, I went through over five gallons. <laughs> and I'm like, um, are, you, are, you, are, you, are you serious? And he goes, yeah, why? That, you know, better, right? And I'm like, no, no, no. Um, All right, so th this kind of raises fact, a good, I told him I, good question. How do you calculate this stuff? How do you determine how much is um, enough and how much is too little? I ask people, I don't know how big my plot is. They don't know how to figure out out acreage so i tell everybody this it's really simple 70 yards by 70 yards is an acre if you look and if you want to look at it as a football field because a lot of people went on a football field 10 yard line to the 10 yard lines an acre you know however you want to do it to figure it out 
Um, I try to do it in layman's terms. You know, I mean, if you got to pace it off, pace getting back to how much do you put down rule of thumb, I will just take and I know my sprayer. I use a Femco sprayer with a 3.8 gallon uh, pump. It's a, it's a, it's a wheelie. I mean, it's a boomless sprayer. So it's got uh, three spray nails, one in the center, one on each end. It sprays uh, 15 feet from center to, from center to the, to on each side. So I'm kind of, I fill that up and at eight miles and eight miles an hour, I can spray uh, 3.1 acres. So that's how I know what my sprayer sprays. So when I fill my sprayer up, you know, I know what I'm going to be spraying. I know I usually put in three quarts of glyosudafate along with my fertilizer. Then I add my water and away I go. It's just that simple. Now, everything's going to be different. I got guys that hand spray. I got guys that industrial spray. You know, you got to know your formula for your sprayer. And if you don't know how to figure it out, because I'm not the sharpest knife in the drawer either, um, I will take and I will walk out, you know, if, if you have that problem, and I told customers to do this, measure out your 70 by 70, yep. spray it like you normally would with water and see how much you went through. Hmm. And then you know how far your sprayer goes. If you can't figure out the formula, it's just that simple. And I got a lot of guys doing it. They're like, Hey, you know, I did that. You know, you know, it took a, you know, a guy said, you know, I got an acre and he said, you know, it took less than, you know, eight gallons to cover that acre. Well, there you go. Now, you know, when you say cover, you mean it's a you're putting a thin layer across the entire ground. Like there's you're not leaving right. any any place unturned or not covered. Correct. Every, every I, square I, inch I, of that I, plot needs to be sprayed. Absolutely. Okay. Yep. Got it. I sprayed a whole kitten caboodle. Okay. Yep. As as a listener, Doug, and, and you're talking about uh, chemical rates uh, spray wise, and say I'm new to the building a food plot. And I, I want to go to the store and, and I'm going to buy Roundup. Is there something that will tell me the rate per acre on Roundup or something like that? Well, <clears throat> here's 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 where people get a little bit sidetracked. And I'm glad you brought this up, Dusty, because I run into this quite a bit. Now, there's different rates. You know, buy Sudafate's made in China, all right? It's I made in the United States. Um, I think the most potent stuff you can get is 48%. I could be wrong, but I think that's what it is, which means it's 48% glycosudafate. The rest is going to be water. So it's so a 52% water. All right, whatever. But now you go, when you go to a store, and let's say you pick up a Weed Be Gone, you spin it around, you look at the glycosudafate number on the back. A lot of the roundups out there are 8%, 16%. You know, they're they're a lower rate. Now, I'm not saying, you know, that it it doesn't suffice. It You know, it, it will work. But here's the problem with America today. A lot of the farmers going back to when this Roundup was, you know, or, well, Roundup was the one that owned the rights to the the, the, the weed killer glycosudafate. When they came out, um, and I, I, I could be wrong on this, but I'm pretty sure that's how it went. They had a, a pretty doggone, it was expensive, like I told you. So a lot of the farmers loved it. Weeds didn't know what it was, so it didn't take much to kill him. But as the farmer wanted it to go twice as far because it was so expensive, we ended up with some weed tolerances, uh, you know, they were tolerance to the to the glycosudafate. Now, food plotters are not going to have this issue, rule of thumb, because probably a lot of the food plotters, the guys that are planting food plots, are in virgin soil that never seen spray in their life, you know. And I've have I got some guys that right now they will not spray chemical on their food plot at all because they just don't believe in chemicals. They, you know, they want to keep it organic. I get it, but I says you are going to have to weed kill that thing with a killer or a disc. Over and over and over and over and over again until you can get it maintained 
that every time a weed germinates, somehow, some way, you can, you know, pull it out or do something to molest it so it dies. Quack, unfortunately, has a root that'll go, you know, six feet down. So if you just keep snapping it off, guess what? It just keeps coming, you know? If you're going to go back to the weed killing, you know, like you're saying, Dusty, you, you go to the store, you know, I just tell everybody, I don't care what you use, you know, I mean, I, I'm not biased to brand names, but you go in and you find out what you, you know, what they have, co-ops have them. You know, like I said, there's, who's ever bottling them has got their name on it, okay? Whatever it is and however it is, that's whatever a case may be, you know, you go through it and you look and see what's on the back. And it should say I'm over 30% glyphosate. And then you know you need one quart to the acre. Gotcha. So okay, yeah. that I know. That, does that make sense? Yes. Yeah, for sure. Let me ask you one more thing while we're kind of on uh, the the pre side of everything. Have, have you heard of any organic, uh, as far as vinegar sprays or anything like that, that's, that's people's trying? <clears throat> I have tried, and I don't know what they were. Um, I have tried some, some different weed killers that were organic. Uh, funny you say that cause it was a very high vinegar base because uh, you could smell it when I was there. Right. Um, how, how did that, how did that I work? No, I had no success with it whatsoever. Okay. At all. I, I tried it. Um, and, uh, and cause there's one guy I do plan for and he does not want any weed killer on his property. And I said, well, ugh. I said, I can try some organic uh, and he bought it for me. And I'm like, well, guinea pig, he bought it, I'll try it. You know, no problem. Cleaned out, I flushed out my sprayer, took it over there, bought, you know, read the directions. It had to go on very heavy. It was very heavy, put on, like, over a gallon to the acre. It was, like, it was a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and I did put it on, um, and it did smell like a pickle factory. I know, and I don't know what else was in there. I know there was something else in there. I don't know what it was. Neither here nor there. It didn't kill anything, but it made the plants pretty sick. I tell they weren't they weren't liking it let's put it that way but it did not it did not kill them rain or two uh, it came back now if there is something on the market that i don't know about it i'm not gonna lie to you you know i don't know about it i'm, I'm pretty ignorant to it i'm sure there is better stuff out there because this was several years ago you know i plant i don't know how many hundred acres of food plots a year i get when i get going it's a well oil machine what i gotta do yeah. i don't even think you know you know when you're not even have to think about it you know how to do it and it just comes right out you know Right, so, absolutely. but I don't know, honestly. Yeah, just a quick question. I, you know, just this thought I'd ask while we was right there. Okay. All right. So, step one weed killer figure it out, do your calculations, get whatever you can, kill the weeds. That's step one. So, what's step two? What What's the next phase of this project? Well, for me, it's going to be soil testing. Okay. Um, you know, if you're going to do a sample, uh, you know, I tell everybody goes, how do I do a sample? Well, the quickest way, you take a piece of PVC pipe, uh, you know, uh, conduit pipe, um, water pipe. I don't care whatever you use, three-quarter inch. Go through the plot and do five samples, one in the center, one on each corner. Now, not right in the very corner where you're going to be growing stuff. You, you, pound it, you pound it down, rule of thumb, around five inches. Okay. You tap that into a bucket, five samples in that bucket. You take your hand and you mix it very well, and then you put whatever sample you can in a bag. And then, you know, you take it either, you take it to your copper, like our bags that we have through our egg source. We just fill them up, send them in, you know, matter, matter of three, four days, you know, they'll get an email back on your, on your phone and they'll tell you exactly where you're at. And it works out great. So soil testing, you know, cause sometimes, you know, if oh man, I, I can't grow anything, I can't grow anything. And I'm like, well, did you do a soil test? Well, what's that? Hmm. You know, I, the worst one I've seen yet was a 3.1. 
that was the worst I've ever had to deal with. Um, and it, and that was three years ago. And I, um, I planted his plots for him last year. It was over his knees. So is, but he couldn't even get stuff to, it would, ger- it would germinate and stall. That's all it would do. No matter what he planted. What are they <laughs> testing for? Well, you, you collect the sample. What are they testing for? Like what tests do they run? Well, it, it's basically your pH, you know, you know, your phosphorus, your alkaline, where is your soil at? You know, and like I said, most of your soil is going to be just, if it's been sitting for that long, you know, and a lot of guys are like, well, I got grass growing in there. I got grass growing in there. Yeah, but see, these plants, it's, it's, it's you know, it, it, it's not something you want to plant. It's kind of like that old saying goes, you know, I can grow weeds in my lawn, like, no problem. You know, weeds will grow anywhere. Grasses will grow anywhere. They don't have to have good soil. But now you want to put alfalfa or clover or a radish or something in, and you want that to bring in nitrogen, or you want to bring, you want that to, you know, bring in the potash and the phosphorus, whatever it's going to need to suck in to grow. And if you're, if you're, if your plot is not at its ultimate pH, which is, you know, six, five, six, seven, you're, you know, you're going to be, you, you, you potentially could be struggling, you know? Um, but you know, your, your different plants need higher nitrogen, like your brassicas need a higher nitrogen, you know, to, to do well. Um, but here's another thing too, with nitrogen, if you put it all on, um, when you planted right away, if you get a lot of rain, you know, and unless you got clay soil, you're, it's leaching. It's just leaching. So you're losing it. Your, your, your fertilizer is just going down, down, down as it rains, especially nitrogen. And, you know, nitrogen is only there to do one thing, feed a plant. Okay. And if it's not, it's, you're losing it. So a lot to it that way. All right. So wh- wh- you're basically testing. You're not testing for nitrogen or anything like that. You're just looking at pH when it comes to the the soil testing. Is that correct? Yeah, that's basically what I'm doing is finding out where my pH is. Okay. So yeah, if, when, when, if you get ahead. this low pH at three, okay, three point one, you said that's the lowest you've ever got, but you want to get to a six point five. Seven is neutral. Six point mm-hmm. five is slightly acidic. Three is very acidic. And so if you have an as- right. acidic soil. What is it that you want to? Mm-hmm. What is it that you want to do if you have a, a three point one? What's the first thing you're, you you want to add back to the soil to get that pH up? Lime, lime. Okay, so lime, lime. lime. So you've tested. Step three is to start adding stuff to the soil based off of Correct. your results of your soil test. Correct. Correct. So if you're acidic yeah. lime, and is is that the only you want to add as much lime as you can to get it back to a six five? Is that the idea? Well, I mean, you know, a rule of thumb, that's what I try to do. But here's the deal, you know, you know, a guy will sit there and say, oh, my goodness, you know, lime is, you know, um, that's a lot of lime. Let's say, let's say your plot needs 10 ton of lime. Okay. You're going to be like, oh, my God, that's, that's a lot. Oh, you know, what, you know, but lime is deceiving because it's so dense that, you know, a, a ton of lime is probably equivalent to a four foot by four foot by two and a half feet, a cube. That's a ton. So is that a lot? Uh, not really. You know what I mean? So um, it, it seems like a lot when you think of tonnage, but it's not. But, yeah, you need the lime to put that down. You work that in. Now, here's the deal. That lime has to break down to abs- to to neutralize the soil. So in lime doesn't, unless it's really super fine lime or processed lime, you know, you're going to run into that issue. But it, it does, it, it, you know, as time goes on, it will, you know, break down after a year, and your plots are going to look great. Do you ever run into soil that's too basic? Is that possible? Um, <clears throat> well, here's what's funny. I just got a test back on a Texas um, that was 8.1 and 8.7. Hmm. And I've never seen that before in my life. 
you know, so um, that's going to be fun trying to work with that. Um, the rule of thumb, the most of the stuff, you know, you know, and then you sit there like, well, how do I bring it back? But maybe you don't have to. I don't know. Um, you know, and that's something that's Greek to me. Majority of the stuff that we plant, no matter where I plant in the Midwest here, you know, as far as Maine all the way to Dakotas, you usually got acidic soil somewhat. Um, I had some guys down in Illinois, they had virgin soil, never was planted anything. And they went and checked it, and it was 6'5 right out of the chute. I couldn't believe it. I was I was dumbfounded. Okay. But, you know, it depends on the ground. The majority of the problems that you find are that it's too acidic and that you want to bring it back up. Very rarely do you find it too basic Correct. where you want to bring it back down. If it is too acidic, you Correct. have to add lime in a certain proportion based off of the acidity that you have and the square footage you have to do will determine how much tonnage of lime you need to go acquire and then start spreading it out over your property. So that's Correct. to get the pH right. Is there anything else that we need to concern ourselves with the quality of the soil at that point other than lime? You know, if some of my blends, you know, <clears throat> will need, you know, like basically nitrogen. What I try to do is to keep it simple for the customers. If they don't want to use liquid or liquid, I'll, you know, because I want to use granular. And that's fine. Um, a lot of times I'll tell them to just go pick up a triple 18 and put 200 pounds to the acre. That rule of thumb, that'll work quite a bit. Um, and it's just make it simple and it works. A lot of guys, they want to plant and be done. They don't want to go back and refertilize because they don't have time for that. So, you know, I'm working on right now with a company out of Indiana. If I can get, you know, nitrogen, that's a slow release. That that's a granular form. You no, know, is that Ronco? Set it and forget it. You know what I mean? And that's what a lot of people would want to do. Okay, so or step one is weed kill. Step two, P or soil testing. Step three, add lime. Step four is fertilizer. So you're adding back some other nutrients back into the soil. And this is this sounds like a general thing. You don't you don't necessarily need to test for this stuff. You just want to get nitrogen rich something in on onto your soil. Well, okay, no, no, manure is great, but manure will only give you so many units of nitrogen, but it's giving you potash and phosphorus. So one, that's a good thing about nitrogen, I mean, about manure. Bad okay. thing about manure is it's giving you weed seeds, you know, but right. um, okay. you got to give one to get the other. You know, here's another thing, too, that people fail to remember. The healthier the plant, the more nutritional value it has. So if you don't feed your plants then your nutritional value is not there. Now, if your nutritional value is not there, what your deer are eating are, is not going to be as useful to their body as it was. And rule of thumb, they will have to eat more of it. So it's kind of like that old saying, you know, like let's just say if you are going to eat, you're going to go out for dinner one night and you know what, I'm, I'm going to go eat popcorn. And you go fill up on popcorn. I know that's a stupid analogy, but you fill up on popcorn until you can't eat anymore. You probably ate, you know, a five-quart pailful. Well, if you're fat like me, probably more than that. All right. But if you were going to go out and you were going to have a steak, let's say you have a good, you know, 16 ounce, uh, you know, prime rib or something that is going to last twice as long as that popcorn will, because you're going to be hungry again, because a relative food value is not the same, you know, um, because deer get most of their minerals from what they eat or their supplements you feed them. So, you know, that is where, you know, like our mineral, when we put it out, what they'll do is if they eat that mineral, no matter matter what they eat they will be able to utilize it to the best of their ability and that's where it's going to go back to the health of the deer and it's going to go right to to antler growth so that is what is so crucial all the way around you know it's not just you know it don't take much to attract the deer you know it really doesn't right 
it really doesn't take much to attract a deer. It, it takes a lot though to feed a deer. And we're into feeding deer. We're not just into attracting deer. My main goal is when I, I tell guys to put in a, when they want to put in a food pot is brassicas are very high in carbs. You know, I mean, these things put fat on a deer. They eat less because it goes longer. So, but they're going to be healthy in the spring. You, you know, <clears throat> rule of thumb, you know, there's a difference between a food plot and a, and a, and a shot plot. You know, food plot to me, you want to feed deer for the winter, it's got to be a minimum of three acres. Okay. You know, you just need that much groceries. Um, you know, and if you have less than that, you know, and you have any amount of deer. I mean, I know guys that put in, you know, three-acre food plots area or bigger, and they'll have as many as 80, 100 deer on that, in, you know, every night in the winter. Do the math on how much gets eaten. Right. Okay. You know, you know, people don't realize how much poundage is getting eaten. So there's a lot to it that way. So what's the general fertilizer I should be laying down here? Is is there something that kind of covers me on all bases, or um, do, I, do I need to get specific? Well, I mean, you know, for me, I try to do what people can work with the best at their local co-ops. Most co-ops have triple 18, triple 19. Um, it just, you know, to me, that is an all-around good, good, basically a good fertilizer. Very common, very easy to get, works great. Now, don't watch your lawn fertilizers, because I, I had some guys that went and got Fighters got Eptem in it, and you know, which kills all broadhead weeds, which are brassicas and alfalfas and clovers, and and their food plots all died, you know, um, and they, they didn't understand it. You know, I fertilized it, and my plots are all dead, gotcha. you know, and I'm like, what? So I went out to the, to the guy, um, to his, you know, I went out to the guy because I felt so bad. I drove you know, like 35 miles because I'm like, what in the heck to do? You know, like, it doesn't make sense to me at all, at all, and uh, ran all the way out to him. And I mean, he was hot and, um, walked out to his plot and he goes, I fertilized it a week ago. Look at it. It's all dead. It was all yellow. Huh. And I'm like, what did you fertilize it with? Fertilizer. And I said, yeah, but what did you fertilize it? Where did you get the fertilizer at? Well, I got it at Menards. And I says, you, you got it. I got one bag left. So I went and I look and it was weed and feed. Gotcha. And all right. I'm so just like, dude, he's, um, he's killing all the, th- you know, he's killing weed, but some of these things that <laughs> you're killing are things you want to <laughs> yeah. grow, right? Yeah, he, he killed every broadhead, every broadhead thing that was in there, which is basically everything. It's the, you know, it's the brassicas, it's the clover, it's the alfalfa. Right, don't, don't he do that. He killed everything. Right, because you, you know, essentially well, you're growing yeah, a, a specific you know, kind a, of weed. In, in, in a, in, yeah, well, I mean, you know, it, plants are broadhead plants, so you know, you know, so be sure you know that you know. And I mean, like as in his case, he, I mean, he felt like you know three inches high and he was it was like you know like the first week of september and um i felt so bad for the guy i i took some of my sweet frost blend along which it germinates and it grows really quickly and i said dude i'll tell you what i'm gonna do i am he got out his little his little four-wheeler and and his little drag and i went and i replanted it for him right then and right um i just i said and, and you know what it got to eight inches before it froze so he was ecstatic gotcha okay and he said thank you so much for being on this i say you know you know you didn't know but now you know i'll never make that mistake again oh, all right awesome all right so apply the correct weed killer do the soil testing find out if it's acidic or not add lime if it is now we're now we're back to adding some kind of good fertilizer that brings nitrogen and some other elements into their triple 19 or whatever it is that is good but do not add and try to work that in too work it in get the get the moisture and make sure the rain's coming make sure it gets worked into the soil 
right? And so now you've got your mm-hmm. now you're yep. re- now you're ready to plant. So there's a lot of work that goes up to yep. the planting. Now, so now you got to decide what the heck you're going to put in the ground. What what do you start thinking right. about? If I'm a food plotter, what am I? What do I need to start thinking about to well, plant correctly? Okay, my main first focus is <clears throat> what am I going to? How am I going to utilize this food plot? Is it going to be a just to attract deer? Is it going to be b to attract and feed deer? You know, or is it going to be for you know c to attract and feed deer for a long period of time? Am I going to hunt over it, or am I going to am I going to hunt over it with a gun, or am I going to bow hunt over it? Um, you know, all of these things play a part on what you plant and where you plant it. Now, you know, now we have a blend. It's called Sweet Frost. Um, it's an all brassica blend. The deer rule of thumb don't like it until it freezes. Okay, you ain't obviously going to want that for bow hunt. What is so, brassica? Brassica is is you know your rapes. Yeah, your turnips, your purple top turnips, green top turnips. Um, uh, you know, um, it's all it's a family. Collards are a brassica family. Um, your your radishes are a brassica family. Like there's alfalfa. There's like you know 50, 60 different strains of alfalfa, but it's all alfalfa. You know, um, it's it, but brassicas are a little bit more broad that way. But it is, um, you know, your kale. That's a, that's a brassica. Um, you know, it's a brassica. It's a family uh, of plant. You know, so you got that family um, that you know. That's one of the main ones that you know deer are attracted to um very high in carbs high in sugars and deer deer rule of thumb love it now different brassicas the freezes you know they'll eat kale you know they will eat um your radish tops they'll eat that rule of thumb sugar beet tops they'll eat that before um you know that's a big leafy plant you know they'll eat that first so um you know if you're gonna fix up a bow stand you know and you want something that you know is gonna be you know, it doesn't need to freeze. I'll, I'll look into that first. Okay. Gotcha. All right. So you're trying to decide what to plant based off of when you want the deer to eat it. Correct. You know, you know, I mean, you know, and that's where a lot of guys like to plant in spring and I get that. I totally get that, but I would rather work the dirt up and do the weed killing through the summer months and get it all prepped and ready for when I can plant it in end of July to middle of August, whatever. So it is going to be peak when it's middle of September, first week of October, when your season opens. Okay. Because you would want your plants to be at peak production and the most palatable when what? When you're hunting it. Right. You know, just that simple. So if you wanted to hunt over it, you want to make sure that it's at its peak by the time it's time to hunt. Plain and simple. Absolutely. That I mean, that's... That's what my goals usually are. Um, you want the deer in it. You want them eating it. Um, you and you want them to be in a steady diet of it while you're hunting it. And uh, and don't overhunt the plot. You know. Um, you know. We got some stuff that we plant around it. So <clears throat> called safe zone. I'll use that for a bedding. Uh, sometimes for a bedding area, but a lot of times I'll use that as a barrier. Um, along with like our feathered friends as a barrier. Anything. You know. Deer only care about six feet and down. That's all they really care about. I mean, they only, you know, they only watch trees because the predators now come from trees, you know, so that's why they are, why they are, way they are. I will do, I'll systematically put that up so I can get easy in, easy out of a stand. So, you know, when guys are setting up their properties, I sit there and I ask them, okay, you want to put your food plot here? How are you going to hunt it? Well, I don't know. Well, that is, is more of a, of a problem. You know, you got to think that out before. I'm not going to plant this if you have no way to get in and out of it because if you're going to get if you're going to go to get every deer out of the bedding area to get to it where is that helping or vice versa you know so you know to, you know to, to hunt the 
to hunt your property properly, you got to do it that way. You got to set it up properly. You know, set up your food plots. You know, use a little thought process. Oh, this is open. I think I'll put it here. Yeah. You know, okay. Gotcha. Okay. So, what other things besides the brassica family should should I be thinking about planting? And if I want it to peak around October, what time of year do I need to plant? Well, you know, even like you know, like with our big racks or booyah blend, there's clovers and alfalfas in there. Deer love them. Uh, clovers a little lower in protein, rule of thumb, than alfalfa and chicory, but um, your goal is is to get that chicory and clover sometimes takes a little bit to get established, like a brassica does, which, in other words, it doesn't grow as fast as a brassica. So, but what will happen is, is as the brassicas grow in our blends, it'll shade the clover and alfalfa to allow it to get established. It'll provide shade, moisture, it'll allow it to get it to grow. And as it gets to grow, you pick through them leaves to eat it, but your your my goal with that is, now in the springtime, like when we started the show, you, we talked about earlier, now the deer are going to be on it. Because as the rain, spring rains come, the alfalfa and and, uh, and the clovers are going to start growing. And as they're growing, the deer got something good protein right off the get-go in the spring. You know, because chicory and alfalfa are high in protein. You know, they're in the, in the high 20s in protein green. So where clovers maybe, you know... Low, low teens where alfalfa will be low to mid teens alfalfa will be in the you know middle middle 20s to high 20s and your big bucks start out as a fawn people know right. you know all deer start out as a baby so you know you want your does and you want your fawns to be super healthy you know so um you know i you know getting back to the mineral i put out my mineral early and um them does and and them does are hitting it like crazy you know right now along with the bucks even though they dropped they're hitting it like mad right now because they are back trying to level off their body from all the lack of nutritional value they have here to win. So, because even once a plant freezes, it loses its nutritional value. You know, so the main thing with the mineral is they need to get that in their body as antlers grow and as they're, they're nursing. They need that. They need to go into their colostrum, which goes into the fawn. So that mineral goes into their bodies along with the food source. And it works as it works to feed that fawn. So, you know, it, it's a multi, you know, mineral is mineral to me is just food plot, period. Okay. All right. So what other things should we concern ourselves with now that we've got a food plot in there? It's growing. We're hunting over it. Is there anything else that we need to think about from start to finish? Just enjoying what you're going to kill off of it. Uh, I tell you what, if there's anything in this business that I started since I've been doing this, that is more rewarding to me is last year. I do not know. I don't think there was a day that did not go by that somebody didn't call text me or something of their deer. They killed off of one of our plots. And, it, and some of it was their children. Some of it was their wife shooting their first deer. Our main thing is you go through all of this work to see what you can grow but it's to enjoy nature. And I tell people, I don't worry about with spring what I'm going to plant. I want to sit there. By the time fall comes and I can first get a chance to sit in a stand, I don't even think about spring because I, I'm so happy that I, that summer's over. You know, so, I mean, I don't, if, if you, the main thing to me is if you know you got enough groceries, you know, enjoy your plots with your, you know, with your kids or yourself or, you know, your family. Like I said, I, I love it. I absolutely love it. And that's what I think drives me more so than anything is, we have such a great customer base. We have so many good friends that we've helped along the way. And I had a guy that he confronted me at a at a show, and he said that, you know, food plots, they're impossible. You guys are a farce. They don't work. You know, deer don't eat them. You know, just went off. 
um, to find out that he lived like in his plots were like 30 miles from my farm. Get a deal with him right there at the show in front of everybody. I said, um, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll make a deal. I said, I will go plant your plot because I planted out by him anyways. I said, I will go plant your plots for you this year. And I said, if they don't come up, you don't owe me nothing. If they come up, all I want you to do is pay me what I would normally charge. And I'll, I'll take that off. That's a no-brainer, you know. Well, I went in there. I planted his plots um, third week of July. I texted him that I finished his food plots about a month and a half later, about the, the week before our first week of, of bow hunting here, like the first week of September, I get a call from him. And he goes, Doug, you've got to come out and see these plots. And I'm like, uh, why do I have to do that? He says, because I have never seen something like this so much in my life. They're, they're green, they're plush. In fact, I drove into the cabin, there was deer on them. And I says, you know what? I tell you what, Rusty, I don't really need to see them. I just need to pay the bill. <laughs> That's all I need. <laughs> and um, I've been planning this plot. So it, it does take some know-how. And I'm not saying I know everything because I don't. But I know how to grow crops at home. I know how to grow deer. And I'm blessed with good people that you know, have deer farms so we can do some research and development on. And I, I'm not saying I'm great at it, but I'm, I'm pretty doggone good at it. Let's put it that way. Gotcha. Gotcha. As a, as a beginner, Doug, uh, you know, what, what's some pointers that you can, can throw out there real quick? Just like your top five pointers that you can throw out for somebody that's wanting to uh, put in a food plot this year. Um, one, oh boy, there's so many things. Um, location is one of the main things. Size is another thing. Deer count is another thing. Know your deer count. Uh, a lot of guys are like, well, I don't know how many deer I got out there. Well, in an average set, how many deer do you see? And a lot of guys will be like, well, I see five. Well, if you're going to put in food plots and you've never had food plots before, you might as well plan on that doubling because it will double. It just It's rule of thumb. We run into that all the time. Um, so, I mean, that is one of the things. Um, you know, location, um, moisture. I get, I get, here's one of the main questions I get. I get two questions that I get all the time at every show. You got anything that grows in sand and do you got anything that grows where it's really, really damp, you know? Well, define sand and define dampness, you know? Uh, do you go in June and you still got water on your shoes when you walk? You know, rule of thumb, nothing's going to sustain roof rot. You're obviously going to get root rot or something from it, okay? Right. Um, you know, sand, is it blow sand? You know, is it, you know, sugar sand? Is, is there anything growing there at all? Is your, you know, I mean, so, you know, I tell people, you got to systematically try to figure out how to make it work. But if you got really sandy soil, back to that oats trick I was telling you before, that is so, if you can get something in there to keep putting green into that soil, you're going to be win-win. So, I mean, I guess, Dusty, them are the main ones that I tell people, you know, think, think before you just jump into it and sit there and say, well, this is a good spot. I'm going to put one here. Well, you know, what do you, you know, you really want to, why, what's your strategy, you know, think about it before you go through all the effort, if that makes sense. Yeah, it makes sense for sure. All right, good. Gotcha. Uh, Doug, I have 10 rapid fire questions for you uh, before we let you go, and I, I, I'm going to put you on the spot here. No, I, you know what? I'm I'm used to it. Just chuck away. I'll, if I screw it up, I apologize ahead of time. All I'm right. What's your number one hunting tip of all time? My main hunting tip is, know your bedding areas and know where know you're in and out of a of where you're going to be hunting we all have these things that we bring in the woods with us they're kind of good luck charms for whatever reasons maybe they make us more successful maybe not you feel naked with it if you leave it in the truck and you're in the stand what's that one thing for you range finder what's your biggest pet peeve but my biggest one that i have is people who have never shot a deer in their life 
are experts at hunting. Yes. Or so they proclaim to be experts at hunting. How old are you today, Doug? 47. All right. What would you tell the 27-year-old, Doug, knowing what you know today? The main thing that I can think of is take a chance on anything you want to in life. Okay. Because the older you get in life, it does not get easier, period. Gotcha. All right. You're at a hunting convention and a stranger walks up to you in the hotel lobby and asks you what you do for a living. What's your answer to that? I make hunters happy. Awesome. What'd you have for breakfast this morning? Venison sausage. (laughs) Yes. Nice. Very happy about that. Um, You get your own billboard. It's blank canvas. What do you put on it? God is good. All right. I say the word successful to you. Who's the first person that pops into your head and why? My father. Okay, and why? And it's because I wouldn't be here without him. All right, what's a day in the life of Doug Castrava look like? Uh, get up at 4 in the morning. I check my emails. I do a little Facebooking. Get my kids off to school. Head out to the warehouse. Take probably around 15 calls a day. Visit with customers. Answer more emails. Come in visit with my family, clean up and go to bed. Nice. All right. And let's say you throw in deer season into that mix. What's a deer hunting day in the life of Doug Castrava look like? Not very good because rule of thumb, I do not get a chance to hunt much because of our business. But um, my main thing to me lately has been is getting my kids into it. So um, my uh, son, Tyler, took him down to Illinois for the youth season last year and. uh we filmed um, for um, Fear No Evil with uh, Chris and Chip, uh, which is going to air in June here, July, I think it is, on the Outdoor Channel. He shot a nice doe. It's going to be a hilarious show um, just because of the stacking of fact of the matter is um, uh, he got a little nervous and I got a little bit of an upset tummy, but it's going to be hilarious. And uh, my daughter, I took her to Missouri last year. She shot her first animal ever. Um, she's 12, and uh, she shot that. Um, a doe and just proud, proud dad moment. So it's not just about me anymore. It's about, it's about my children. I enjoy it. And I, uh, I hunt over in Illinois at Buck Chasers every year. And it's just a camaraderie of getting out with the guys and I'm away from the phones and I'm away from the world, you know, but if there's anything that I could do in life right now, it's usually always with my family. It's, you know, God family first. That's the way it is, you know? So, um, I take them and I, um, I'm not greedy. I share more than I give. I give more than I receive, but um, I feel blessed in, in doing so. Nice. Very nice. So, Doug, if we want more information about food plots, right blends, all the stuff we we talked about on this show, where should we look to find more information from you? Uh, it'd be Uh You can email me directly at Doug at hornybuckseed.com. Or you can go ask us questions on our Horny Buck Seed Facebook page. And um, they all get filtered to me. Um, the guys that will filter them to me, like if there's something that's food plotting, I will answer them. And we are on Twitter. And uh, if you do ask a question on Twitter, Dave gets that to me. And I usually am very, I'm very quick at responding. Rule of thumb. So uh, if you do ask me a question, I will get back to you usually that same day. Sometimes within minutes if I'm on a phone, you know, near my phone or something like that. So it works out the best I can. But... My main thing is right now we're looking for more dealers. So anybody out there listening that is interested in being a dealer and carrying our products, please let us know because um, we just cannot keep up the way it is. And I would love to just sit there and start pushing people off to, you know, stores and stuff that they start carrying it because 
I get how many? I don't know. I bet you I get five calls a day. Is there a store near me I can buy it? Is there a store near me I can buy it? I get that all the time. And I'm like, it's a process. We're working on it. And they're like, use your stuff. It's unbelievable. You know, I had a guy in uh, Kentucky last year. He bought a four-pound bag online. Uh, he called me up here about about a month ago. He bought 250 pounds. He said, um, I have never had anything grow so good in my life. Jeannie said, just off of that four-pound bag, he said, and it, even when it was just dirt, they were still in it. So, you know, I guess if there's anything that's rewarding, that's it. But, you know, I, I'm, I'm all for trying to help people. So people, like I said, if they're looking for business opportunities, please get a hold of us. All right, man. Fair enough. Well, Doug, this has been a pleasure, man. It's been, it's always good talking to you. And I, I learned more again from even our last conversation. Of course, we have a lot of offline conversations as well. And you're extremely helpful. You always have been, and you're extremely easy to reach and, and talk to. And I appreciate you doing that for me and everybody that's listening on this show. You know, Doug is, is one of the, the, one of my favorite sources for food plots and, and blends and things like that. And he's never not picked up the phone. That's one of the most unbelievable things. And one of the, the best things about a small business is that you do that for us, Doug. So I appreciate that. I eat, sleep, and drink this business. Um, I just think it's keeping people happy and nothing more rewarding than a young little boy that shoots his first deer off of one of our plots. I just, I absolutely love it. Just love it. There is no denying it. Doug knows his stuff when it comes to food plots and farming and everything that goes with it from the beginning of the from the beginning of the food plot where you want to go in and kill everything to testing the soil to putting back into the the nutrients that you need into the soil to knowing what to plant there the guy knows it all he does it 24 7 i don't think he sleeps much but boy it's it's nice to hear somebody be able to kind of bring it all home and and break it down and i think we broke it down on this show yeah, as, as Doug Kostrava would say, it is what it is, Jay. It is what it is. No, no, no doubt about it. Uh, if you've got questions or you, you, you want to know about your area uh, as far as soil conditions, and Doug, Doug's pretty knowledgeable across the spectrum. And, you know, look him up, Facebook, you know, just go to Horny Buck Seed, look him up, get his contact information, and call Doug. If you've got questions, the man will answer you. You know, that's uh, something that... Uh, I've heard over and over and over that uh, as far as customer service and public relations with Doug on the phone, uh, it's no problem at all. Give him a call. He'll talk with you. I've heard the exact same thing. I've experienced the exact same thing. The guy picks up his phone. He's one of those small business owners that actually cares, which is nice. Very nice to hear. Something that uh, you don't see too often or a lot of. So, yeah, definitely. Got any questions, get a hold of Doug Mm -hmm. Estrava, Horny Bucks Seed Company. He will try his dangdest to answer your questions. Very, very knowledgeable. So, Dusty, do we have a Chubby Tines Tip of the Week this week? Yeah, we do, Jay. We actually, we, 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 we do. All right, what do we got? The Chubby Tines Tip of the Week is sponsored by Morse's Sporting Goods. Firearms, use firearms, bows, use bows. Located at 85 Kentucky Falls Road in Hillsborough, New Hampshire. Give Jim a call at 603-464-3444, morse'ssportinggoods.com. Your dollars go further in New Hampshire. There's no sales tax. Morse's Sporting Goods. You know, it's uh, it's getting closer, Jay. No doubt about it. The conditions are going to soon be cooling off. You know, go through and, and check all your last year's material as far as your hunting clothes, as far as your grunt calls, 
You know, if you got tree stands laying in the garage, it's time to go through and check bolts, check nuts. Just do a, a once over of all your equipment so that, you know, not, not only safety, but you, you want to be prepared when the day comes. And, and if you got to order something, you don't want to be a week out and trying to do all this. But if you, if you haven't hung your stands yet and you got them laying out in the garage, take, take time and go out there and, and just do a once over. If you got rusty bolts, replace them. You know, a 63 cent stainless steel bolt is not worth your life. So just do it. Do equipment check. That's the Chevy Tynes tip of the week. So equipment checks is what you're getting at. I think that's a great idea. I've yeah. been thinking more about deer hunting lately than I, I did in July. I can tell you that. So you're right. It's time to pull out all the gear and go through it and make sure everything still works and that everything is safe. Awesome tip, man. Yeah. It, uh, you know, it's just that time of year, Jay. Just just go do a once over. Yep. Take a half hour and roll your tree stand around the garage floor and just just look everything over. Get your bow and look it over. Just instead of going out and shooting, get it out of the case and look it over. Take the time and go through the limbs, go through the arrows and flex them a little bit. Make sure you got no splinters. Just just everything that that you can prep yourself and prepare yourself before the season starts. You'll be that that next step closer to getting in the woods opening day. Nice. Very, very good tip. And thank you to Morse's Sporting Goods for sponsoring the Chubby Tines Tip of the Week. And thank you to Doug Kostrava for filling our brains full of food plot information once again. Dusty, where can we find you when you're not hanging out here on the microphone with me? Shoot me an email, dusty at bigbuckregistry.com. Look me up on Facebook, Chubby Tines Outdoors, at Chasing Antler on Instagram. Jay, where can the people reach out to you when you're not on the mic? Best place is to shoot me an email, jay at bigbuckregistry.com. If you would like to give us a call at 724-613-2825, leave us a message. Uh, let us know what you like or don't like about this show. If you're an iTunes user, please, please, please do a search in your search bar for the Big Buck Registry and then subscribe to the show and leave us a five-star review if you're a big, big fan. And check us out on iHeartRadio when it comes out. It should be out in the next week or so. So that'll give you access to this show on any device and basically across the board. So that's pretty cool. Uh, you can check us out on Twitter at twitter.com forward slash Big Buck Registry. You can visit us on Facebook, which is our flagship social media site where we have 230,000 plus diehard deer hunting fans just like you who love checking in to the Facebook page and seeing what deer have come in to the website where we repost deer that have been shot over the last year, last couple of years, last decade. But people keep sending in their pictures and we keep posting them on the Facebook page. And if you want to do that too, all you have to do is go to bigbuckregistry.com forward slash my buck and all the instructions will be right there. All we're really looking for is a field shot, we're looking for the name of the hunter and the state of kill. And if you have all three of those things, chances are you will be featured on our wall of fame. Well, Dusty, I think that's pretty much everywhere we are at. That's a whole lot of big buck, Jay. Once again, all seriousness, thank you for tuning in with us every week. We, we, we couldn't tell you how much we appreciate that. Thanks for the downloads, the likes, the comments on the Facebook pages. You know, everything that uh, everybody's involved with on Instagram, Twitter, everywhere that we are, Jay. It's amazing that uh, the the people that we reach out to, and, and we sure do appreciate them following us. Yes. Oh, and by the way, we are now featuring our podcast on YouTube. So every single audio recording of our show that gets done also gets reproduced and rebroadcasted as a video on YouTube. So just in case you're not a podcaster, but you're a YouTuber, we're there too. We're everywhere. 
I think that's a wrap, Dusty. Yeah, just, uh, man, just true blessing, Jay. Well, I'm Dusty Phillips. And I'm Jay Scott. And this is another great episode of the Big Buck Rashery Deer Hunting Podcast. We'll see you next week. Can't wait. Can't wait.